0: Ain't no middle Road in, or you're gonna be out. Saved, lost. Right or wrong. Up or down. In or out. What it is. You've got to make it by the grace of God. Amen. Well, if you would this morning, let's look in the Bible. It's always the best place I've found to find a message to preach. that chicken soup stuff that kind of thing. it don't work too good for me i got to get down to the root of the matter let's take a look at genesis chapter 3 begin at verse number 1 now the serpent And the eyes of them both were open, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. I'd like to preach this morning for a little bit of time on the subject of discernment. I don't know that I will go along the direction that perhaps you might think when we talk about the gift of discernment. But I feel like the Lord, in prayer this morning, I feel like the Lord directed my thoughts to this particular passage, these thoughts today. And I pray that God will help us that we can be able to discern some things that will help us in our walk with God would you just join me in a moment of prayer and ask God to direct all of our hearts? Jesus, we need you this morning. This is not some kind of a show that we're putting on. This is not some kind of a knowledge fair that we're going to place from this pulpit today. But God, this is an absolute desire to be able to help the hearts of ladies and gentlemen to be able to draw closer to you and to be what you desire them to be so that the end of that long and winding road will end up in a city where the Lamb is the light, where the walls are made of jasper and the streets of purest gold, where the saints walk, but in the midst of that is the Lamb of God, who there is no need for light because He is the light. Touch us in this room this morning and help us, Lord, to draw near. Help us, Lord, in this place that we could see what You want us to see and walk the direction You desire us. In Jesus' name, we pray, Amen. God bless you. You may be seated in the name of the Lord Jesus. It was Charles Spurgeon who years ago made this statement that discernment the discernment the d- definition of discernment is not knowing the difference between right and wrong, it's the knowing the difference between right and almost right. It's not just knowing this is black and this is white, it's differentiating between shades that are almost exactly the same. And I think that's important for us in the world that we're living today to be able to differentiate between that which is right, that which is almost right. Genesis chapter one details the six days of creation. Genesis chapter two. He's giving Adam directions on how to dress the garden. Makes a wife for him. In chapter 3, they fall. Not far removed from the beginning of this whole process of creation in the world. Not very far along from that. I just want you to understand today, it really doesn't matter where you've come from, who you are, what you know, college you went to, who your pastor was or is, where you live, or what your Pentecostal pedigree is, if you have such a thing. It's about being able in your spirit to understand what God wants for you and the gentle, insidious, attacks of the enemy upon your faith. It never appears to us that it comes as a an assault. It always comes smooth, gentle, suave. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. Yeah. Why didn't I think that? It's not like the devil is going to come along and say to you, "Go down and rob the bank today. Why don't you go over there and shoot that guy or assault that woman that That's not those God knows you're you're past that. It's the things that are almost right that calls us to still sit on a pew where truth is preached and find ourselves taking a diverging road. We have to be aware of the devices of the enemy. Paul wrote and said that we are not ignorant of his device. That's why we have the Holy Ghost. To lead us and to guide us to where? All truth. Not some truth. Not halfway truth. Not just a little bit of truth. 99% of it. It's all truth. To lead us and to guide us into all truth. To discern between the right, the almost right. You see, when the serpent was talking to Eve, he said, did God really say? That's the first knowledge for us to understand the attack of the enemy is when we start saying, is that really right? Something that we know was established to be correct and we start questioning. If you look in chapter number 2, of Genesis. And read with me. The Lord spoke to to Adam in chapter 2, verse 16. And He says, He commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Now, That's verse 17 of chapter 2. Jump back with me to chapter 3, verse 3, where the woman says, But of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. Is there a dichotomy between verse 17 of chapter 2 and verse 3 of chapter 3? She is... Almost right. Almost right. But I will tell you, if you touch it, you're going to feel temptation. But I'm going to tell you this morning that when the devil understood and knew in her mind that she did not have a clear picture, he starts pushing the thin edge of the wedge. All of a sudden things begin to separate. <laughs> yeah. That that God, he's he's really something, isn't he? <laughs> yeah. Who who does he think he is? God, anyway? Why? It's not really that way at all. Because God knows that in the day that you eat of that tree. Your eyes are going to be open. You're going to be as God, knowing good and evil. And you know, she couldn't discern between the right and the almost. And all of a sudden, she looked at that tree and what John talked about the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life, all three of those. Joined together and got her in that moment. She didn't discern between the right and the almost right. And when the time was all said and done, the Bible said when they ate of that fruit, their eyes were open. And the age of innocence was gone, the dispensation of innocence. Was now gone, we're now living in the dispensation of conscience. Because they did know right from wrong. Heretofore, there was no wrong, they were sinless. But because they couldn't determine, she couldn't discern between right and almost right, then they hid themselves from God. I want to say to us here today, it's very important for us to understand the difference between these two small areas because what eventually ends up happening is we start hiding ourselves from God because we have not discerned what was right and almost right. There's a lot of preachers, a lot of churches, a lot of religions, a lot of things that are going on around us. It has never been so more easy to be connected to false doctrine than today. You can look at false doctrines sitting in your car on your phone, right? Used to be you'd have to go somewhere to a meeting somewhere, some tent revival somewhere. you got to go someplace, but not anymore. It's right there in your easy chair. I'm preaching to us, never been more easy to be connected, and the devil is working his best to try to separate the truth from the almost truth. And there's so much error and false doctrine and junk being perpetrated today in the name of apostolic. It's important for us as true apostolic people to understand that we've got to stay close to the word of God. We've got to stay close to the man of God and understand I've got to know what's right and I've got to know what's almost right almost right, is going to separate me from God. Been several years ago. Haven't looked, but I, there was several years ago there was a church that I became acquainted with. Uh, I, I say I became acquainted with it. Let me back up that just for a minute. I found out about it, and I searched it out online. It was a church that believed Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Believe Deuteronomy chapter six verse number four. I also believed in homosexuality. I'm going to tell you something: the enemy is doing everything he can in this generation to pervert the truth, to pervert the doctrine of Jesus Christ, and people can say, "Well, I believe in 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 uh." one God. I believe in holiness. I believe in uh, repentance and water baptism in Jesus' name and the infilling of the Holy Ghost evidenced by speaking with other tongues. I believe in all of that but I'm telling you there is a wave, a gentle wave of attack that slips against the true church today to cause us to think that we know better than the Word of God or that we have a different or a better interpretation than the great man of God that God has given to us to direct us and shepherd us. Paul was writing to the church and he said to them you know I want you to be a follower of me as I am a follower of Christ. I'm preaching to us this morning. we got to understand that the generation that we're living in is looking for their own direction and their own way of thinking about things but somehow we've got to understand it is the enemy's desire to separate us from the world of God, to separate us from the plan of God by putting into our minds the thought that, you know, that sounds right. That sounds pretty good. Yeah. It's never been so more easy to be used than today's world. You jump across to Genesis chapter number 4. Now we got Adam and Eve with a couple of boys. These boys have grown up. They're not little kids anymore. They're men working in the field. The Bible says that in verse number 3, that in the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. Abel he also brought of the firstlings of his flock, And of the fat thereof, and the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. But unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. Two men brought an offering to God. I ask you something. Is it right to make a sacrifice to the Lord? Absolutely. It's right. But one was right. And one was almost there. one was there, and one was almost there. I don't know all the details, because when you look from Genesis chapter four verse one to Genesis chapter four verses three, a lot of years have passed. It says the boys were born, and then it says they were men. So we don't know all of the details, but I do know that somewhere in that passage of time, it's very obvious that Adam had taught his boys that we offer a sacrifice unto the Lord. The Lord had spoken to him. In fact, the Lord had to kill animals to cover their nakedness. That's where the blood sacrifice came in. That's where it started. That's the whole process of coming through all the way to the precious, spotless lamb at Calvary. And they knew to offer. They knew to give offering to God. And what's more, these verses detail for us, they knew, both of them, how to offer a correct sacrifice. Abel offered a correct sacrifice, and the Lord was pleased. He had respect to Abel's offering. But to Cain's, he did not respect it at all. And Cain was mad. I don't know exactly what caused them to know that my offering was accepted and his offering wasn't i feel in my heart this could be wrong so don't take this to the bank but many times in the bible when you see the sacrifice such as in first kings chapter number 18 when the fire fell on the offering that elijah prayed on mount carmel i just kind of feel like maybe the fire fell on the offering of abel's and didn't fall on cain's that could be wrong so don't that's just the Bible according to Eliot, on that. And it's not a salvific doctrine and I don't preach it as the truth I just kind of wonder if that's the way that it was. But here nor there Abel was accepted Cain was not. Cain got mad about it. His countenance fell. and The Lord said why are you mad? Why are you upset? Don't you know if you do well you'll be accepted? But if you don't Sin's going to catch you because it's waiting outside your door to leap on you. I want us to understand today, brothers and sisters, hear me in this house today. If we do almost right, sin is outside the door waiting to catch us. But I've got the Holy Ghost, Brother Elliot. I spoke in tongues. I've been baptized in Jesus' name. I've repented of my sins. I'm doing my best to live a holy life. I don't have a television. I don't watch movies. I don't wear jewelry. All of those different kinds. We can talk about all of those things. But I'm telling you, we can be almost right. And sin is waiting outside the door when we walk out to catch us because we're not where we should be. Something on the inside of us, we're just a hair off. We're just a little bit short of where we need to be. It could be your spirit it could be your attitude. It could be something going on in your heart that nobody else knows about. But somehow, somewhere, my dear sister, my honorable brother, you've got to understand, we've got to make sure that inside of us there is a spirit and a desire within us to not allow the power of hell to let us compromise to that which is almost right we got to know that because it separates us. I've been in this, listen folks, I'm 52 years old. All I have known is Pentecost. My dad was a sinner. He was an alcoholic, smoked three packs of cigarettes a day. His mouth was like a sewer. was in a motorcycle gang. At 22 years of age, God got a hold of him, filling him with the Holy Ghost. My mother grew up in a church. They wore pants, wore pearls around their neck. Preacher come along, started putting some teeth in the message. They started to line up. All of a sudden, things started to change. Dad got in the church. He noticed her. They got married. I was the result. My mother... My son did the same exact thing, but I was i was born about 15 months after my parents were married. They were married in July. I was born in October. I told some people one day that my parents were married in July, and I was born in October. My mother corrected that very fast. We were married in July of 64. He was born in October of 65. My son, Benjamin, who was here in December, we were married on August the 2nd of 92. He was born August the 5th of 95. And he told them that he was born on the 5th of August and we were married on the 2nd. But all I've known is the church. All I've known is this church. I've slept on the pews. I've slept under them. I've been shouted on. I've been spit on by the preacher. I know all about what church is. I've been here, but, and you have. most of you have been around church a long time. And know a lot of things about serving God. But it is is imperative for us to understand that we can sit in the house of God. We can hear the preaching of the word of God. We can worship with the saints of God. And yet if we are letting something get on the inside of us to slip us just a little bit away. That we can find ourselves in a spot. We can walk outside. And the Lord can say sin is waiting. You know, don't you think that Cain could have just said, you know what, God, you're right. And found himself a place to pray. Oh, God, forgive. And come back and offer a right sacrifice. Come back and offer something that God would have accepted and God would have said, I I see that, I hear that, I accept that, Cain, that's great, that's wonderful. He didn't. His heart got hardened. Bible says in Proverbs, "He that hardeneth his neck shall be suddenly cut off." Instead of allowing the spirit of God to supple and ply, smooth and massage and work a, a a pliable spirit inside of Cain, got hard understand me, folks. Allowing something that's almost right, just almost there gets in there and it begins to work and it begins to work and it begins to work. And after a while it begins to open up the door and sin is standing there with a big grin on its face. My God, I'll tell you, I've been down the road and and seeing things in life. I've pastored three churches. I grew up in the church. My dad was a pastor. I knew all about things and seeing things and new things that I probably shouldn't have known. Just the fact that I was around people and in the pastor's home. But I've seen across the things and people who have said, I'll never be there. I'll never go there. I'll never be a part of that. But something that was all right. Oh, friend, I'm preaching today. We've got to be able to discern between the right and the almost right and to be able to say, God, if there's something that's not right here within me and create in me a perfect spirit, create within me a clean heart, renew within me the spirit and the desire and the attitude I need to have to make me what I need to be. Almost right. almost almost i'm just saying to us this morning folks we got to we got to hang we got to hang in in this word we got to understand it's true there ain't nothing wrong with what this bible has to offer to us the word of the lord came one day samuel and he went to king saul this was in the 15th chapter of first samuel and he spoke to him, and he, he told him, he said, uh, The Lord has sent me to anoint thee to be king over his people, over Israel. Now therefore hearken thou unto the voice of the, of the Lord, the words of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I remember that which Amalek did to Israel, how he laid wait for him in the way when he came up from Egypt. Now go and smite Amalek utterly destroy all that they have and spare them not. Both slay, slay, but slay both man and woman, infant and suckling, ox and sheep, camel and ass. God says everything. I want it all gone. Get it out. Ox, ass, man, woman, infant, suckling. It doesn't really matter. Everybody. Everything has to die. Saul goes. God gives him the victory. And so the Bible says that he took Agag, Saul smote the Amalekites, verse 7 from Havilah until thou comest to Shur, that it is over against Egypt. And he took Agag, the king of the Amalekites, alive and utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. But Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep, and of the oxen, and of the fatlings, and the lambs, and all that was good, and would not utterly destroy them, because everything that was vile and refuge, that they destroyed utterly. Imagine that. Halt, blind, and lame, killing that, but everything that was good, we're hanging on to that. I know, I know we're going slow today, but the plow's a little deep. But I'm just telling you, God said, go and slay everything. Slay it all. Get rid of it. But Saul, the people hung on to a few things. And here's where we are today. This is the nub of where we've come down to preach today. This is what I felt in the spirit this morning. There were some things that God said to get rid of. And Saul said, we're going to hang on to that. We're going to hang on to this. It said Saul and the people, but if Saul had said kill it all, they would have got rid of it. Saul just decided to, that he was going to do a little come by stuff, sing by the campfire. It's all working together. Thing, by. Say, Best of. The lambs, sheep, everybody was supposed to die. Agag didn't die. The king, the one who was orchestrated all the terror that Israel had. He's not going to die either. He did that. God spoke to Samuel. He said, It repents me. If I ever made so It repents me. I ever made salt. He's holding on to things I told him to get rid of. Brother, sister, could you hear this southern Illinois hillbilly today? If you've got some things you're hanging on to that you know you need to get rid of, that are hindering your walk with God. Pastor has preached and advised of the dangers of places you're going, things you're doing, clothing you're wearing, company you're keeping. If He has said that to you, and you claim the Holy Ghost and you claim baptism in Jesus' name, and you claim being apostolic, then you're almost right. If you're still hanging on to things you know you should get rid of. Somebody in the house this morning, I want you to understand, almost right will cause God to look down and say, it repents me. I ever forgave their sin. I ever gave them the Holy Ghost. It repents me. Look what God has done for you and I. Look where God has brought you from. I could probably stop right now and ask every one of you to stand up and testify of some of the miracles God's done in your life or jobs God gave you or healing in your body he gave you or a miracle he worked on your behalf. And yet you want to hang on to something that's almost right. Come on, sister. Come on, brother. we got to understand that God is trying to perfect the people and make us holy. And it ain't time to be almost right. Lord, we're living in a perilous time, are we not? Hey, listen, folks, I, 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 I am not a hater, but I'm going to preach the Word of God, and if somebody wants to say something about it, they can say it. But I'm going to tell you something. When I was growing up, Other churches, every one of them preached homosexuality was wrong in the eyes of God. We got churches today that are not only saying it's okay, but they're ordaining people to stand in their pulpits who live that lifestyle. I'm not hating people, but I am saying the Bible declares that to be a sin in the eyes of God, and I'm going to continue to preach that it's not right in the eyes of God for us if we want to be right in God's eyes. I don't disrespect people. I'm not going to hate on people. I'm not going to kick people. I'm just going to say it's a sin. Just like adultery is a sin. Just like robbing a bank is a sin. Just like, oh, God, I'm just preaching to you this morning, folks. you got to understand. I, I want you to know. I want you to know that somehow we can't let almost right get a hold of us. We've got to understand it's got to be right. we got to be where we're supposed to be. we got to follow. We cannot hold on to things that God does not want us to hold on to. We've got to get rid of them. Woo. Ha, <laughs> ha. Oh, Lord, help us here today. Ha ah, oh, here here comes old Saul trotting down the road, buddy. He's got all the people with him. They're having a big old time. Man, they're, woo, didn't we have great church today? We had high church today. Man, did you see those Amalekites running from us? Woo, man, we got the devil on the run, yeah. We got the devil on the run. Me and the devil, we had a tussle, and I won. Man, we had church. Woo, boy, we had a great time. Wow. Super, well, wonderful. Hey, who's that coming down the road there? Oh, that's the man of God. Man, we can tell him the great church we just had. We'll tell him how, how we really had, how we chased the devil out. Boy, we're going to tell the, the prophet, we're going to tell the man of God, Look how look how we got things going on. Yes, sir. Saul is walking along. Come up. Next thing you know, he's talking to Samuel. Samuel's walking up to him. And here's the words of Samuel. Chapter 15. Verse 13. Saul said to Samuel, Blessed be thou of the Lord, I have performed the commandment of the Lord. That's so, I'll be. Samuel looks at him and he says, Not, well praise the Lord brother, let's shout together. He said, what meaneth then? this bleeding of the sheep in mine ears and the lowing of the oxen, which I hear. He cut straight down to the root of the matter. And Saul says, oh, ha, <laughs> ha, they. Isn't it amazing how people start blaming somebody else for their own sin? It's somebody else's sin, their fault. Why that preacher? If he hadn't preached that, why that sister? If she hadn't done that. Get real. Well, they have brought them from the Amalekites. For the people spared the best of the sheep and of the oxen the sacrifice unto the Lord thy God, and the rest we have utterly destroyed. Yeah, all the halt, blind, and lame. They're going to offer a sacrifice to God. Change the word of God. Did God say, bring the best back and in sacrifice unto me? And so then Samuel says, stay, and I will tell thee what the Lord hath said to me this night. And Saul says, preach it, brother. Stay on. When thou wast little in thine own eyes, in thine own sight, wast thou not made the head of the tribes of Israel? And the Lord anointed thee king over Israel. And the Lord sent thee on a journey and said, Go and utterly destroy the sinners and the Amalekites and fight against them until they be consumed. Wherefore thou didst thou thou not obey the voice of the Lord, but didst fly upon the spoil and didst evil in the sight of the Lord. Saul just said, I performed the commandment of the Lord. Samuel said, you did evil in the sight of the Lord folks, almost right, is evil. Sin's lying at the door. You're going to get out in the field. You're going to kill your brother. You're going to get out in the field. You're going to kill your sister. You're going to walk around and kill the man of God, but somebody about talking about him with your tongue. You're going to go around, and you're going to walk away and hide from the presence of God because you don't want to be around God because you're naked. Your eyes are open because you're almost right. Wherefore, you flew on this, and Saul said to Samuel, Yea, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. You understand something, friend, that when you get convinced of something being almost right, you're going to keep on coming back and saying, I'm right. I did obey the voice of God. Because you're confused, you're deluded, and you're messed up in your thinking. You got stinking thinking. That's what you got stinking thinking, and you got to somehow allow the Holy Ghost to get you to a place where you can get yourself rearranged. And the only place you're going to do that, sister and brother, is to find yourself on your knees praying and talking to God until you pray it out. We got to pray it out, folks. We can't just pray and say, Oh, I prayed. You got to pray that spirit out. You got to pray that desire out. You got to pray until it's gone. You got to make sure until you get to the place where you got no will left in the matter. Uh, I've obeyed the voice of the Lord, I've gone the way which the Lord sent me. And it brought Agag, the king of Amalek, and have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. But the people took of the spoil, sheep and oxen, the chief of the things which should have been utterly destroyed, the sacrifice unto the Lord thy God in Gilgal. Samuel said, hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? So what, what you can do? Go down and buy a lottery ticket and win $100,000 and pay your $10,000 tithes and God likes that? Okay, let me just clarify that. God don't like that. Well, I paid my tithes on that. Pastor ought to be... Now, ha- oh, come on, friend. You and I both know we're not going to be right when we do stuff like that. We're not right when we sin and then try to do something right and so well, this is what I've done to, 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 to mitigate that sin. The Lord says that we need to be holy like He's holy. We got to get rid of some things. We got to start living the way we ought to live and somehow, somewhere we got to get right. we got to get right. Oh, well, so-and-so on the internet said, I don't care what so-and-so on the internet said. I don't care what so and so said 20 miles down the road from here. I'm not interested in that because I'm not going there. This is where I'm going. This is where God has sent me. This is where God has placed my life. And this is where I need to find my answers in this house, under this man, in this altar, in this church. I need to find my place and find what God has for me here. And if you decide that the Word of God that's being preached straight from a pulpit is not what you want to hear, you're almost right. God. And you're going to pay the price. God help me. God help me. I'm preaching to us here today, folks. I'm trying to help, ask the Lord to help us in this room. Ah. And so, people did it. Samuel said, that the Lord is a great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord. To obey is better than sacrifice, to hearken, than the fat of ram. Rebellion is as a sin of witchcraft. God help. you understand that when you, even though you may not even speak it out loud to somebody, but you have it in your heart that something's not right? Rebellions like the sin of witchcraft. God said, destroy every familiar spirit, every witch, everything, get rid of it all. Stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he hath also rejected thee from being king. By the time it was all said and done, Samuel said, give me that sword. Give me that sword. I want your sword, so I'll take the word. If you're not going to destroy him, I will. Agag, he said, bring that king over here. Agag said, surely the bitterness of death is fast. Samuel said, as thy sword hath made others childless, so your mother shall be childless this day. And the Bible said he hewed Agag in pieces. Let me Just clarify something to you here today. Our God is concerned about right and truth and friend it may be bloody it may be hard it may be a long and winding road it may cost you a lot but somewhere God's looking for someone who's willing to wield the sword and say we're going to get rid of the things that God said we're going to get rid of and we're going to do what God wants us to do we're not going to let somebody else's opinion be able to come along and influence us please, you can't let some other sister or brother's opinion in this church influence you on something. Well, we're out in the cotton today, aren't we? We're just picking it today. I mean, but I want you to understand, man. somebody else, you don't want a root of bitterness in somebody else's heart. You're getting yours. If I'm on something that you all know about, I, your pastor and I have not talked, as God is my judge. But I'm going to tell you something here right now that we've got to understand. We can't let somebody else's thoughts, well, the people said this. This is what they want to do. This is what somebody else was saying. Well, so-and-so, sister, so-and-so, brother, so-and-so said, yeah, come on now. How about getting to an altar and getting back up and said, Pastor, I heard what God said to me. How about listening to what God had to say to you? Forget about what somebody else has got to say. Forget about what somebody else feels and somebody else thinks. Why don't you get someplace where God can speak to you and God can touch your heart and you can understand and realize, hey, this is what God wants from me. (sighs) Because just like you've rejected the word of the Lord, God has rejected Saul all from being grabbed the whole of Samuel as he turned to go. Worship. The Bible said when he grabbed the whole of Samuel's cloak, it tore. He said, just like this cloak is tore, God's divided. He worshiped. He stayed. But it was over. I want you to understand, friend, I want you to understand my heart today. I don't know you. I don't know what kind of job you have. I don't know what kind of valley you're walking through. I don't know what kind of devils you're fighting. I don't know what your situation is. But I do know that God knows what's going on. And God's understanding things. And somehow you got to understand. you got to discern between the right and the almost right. And get yourself off that almost track. Because that track there will separate you from God. It will make you kill your brother. It will make you lose your relationship with God. Well, what she said sounded almost right. It sounded right. Yeah, but it was almost Folks, nothing more than a diversion. Nothing more than a small diversion. And if I were to stand and go in a straight line all the way back through here, I could walk straight through those doors. And if I could just keep on going through the wall, I'd go straight. Just keep. But if somehow I just turn myself just a little bit, one degree. One degree. I start out. I'm pretty close right off the bat why I get to those back doors and I'm still probably, I'm within probably half a step of where I was. Well, look at me. I'm still shouting. Woo-hoo! I still felt the Holy Ghost on Sunday night. Ah, uh, yeah. I, I still, uh, yeah. Woo! I shouted. I still worshiped. I still paid my tithes. Yeah. Just keep on going. One degree off. Just keep on going. And somewhere down the road in time, you're going to be lost. You're going to be lost. You think a preacher likes to stand up behind a pulpit and preach hard and preach tough and preach strong because he likes to be able to wield a sword and cut people up? There's something within my heart this morning that's crying and weeping and crying so hard because somebody in the house of the Lord today thinks you're almost there, thinks you're there, but you're just almost. God's trying to say, "Get away, pull away, get rid of some things, push that aside, burn that up, get it gone. Somehow, get yourself to a place where God can speak to you." Please help us on this. I'm coming to the end. Of this message this morning. God knows, I don't know you, but I do know this. God's reaching for you in this house right now. Every head bowed, please. Every eye closed in respect to God. Not to me, in respect to God. I'm going to take the time. I don't know what time you normally get out of here. I'm not worried about it, really. I'm wondering if there's anybody that would like to say, hey, I want to find a place in that altar this morning. Maybe there's some things I need to get rid of. Maybe there's a voice I need to hear. I, I, I'm going to come to that altar today, and I'm not going to worry about what anybody thinks about me, or what they think about my life. It doesn't matter. It only matters what God thinks about me. Because I'm going to tell you right now, friend, you only got one vote where you spend eternity, and God's got the vote. And it's either you're saved or you're lost. So it don't matter what anybody else thinks about you. It just matters what God thinks. And I'm asking you, would you please get out of your seat today and find a place in this altar. Whether you want to find a place in the corner, if you want to stand, you want to kneel, you want to get prostrate. I don't care how you how you approach God today. And if you're right, if you think you're right, come on up here and say, God, am I right? Is there some wicked way in me? Is there something I need to change? Is there a spirit within me that needs to get worked over? God, if there's something if there's something in my life that's wrong, you got to help me. Oh, God. Where am I today? Oh! Come on. Can somebody get a hold of something? Can somebody get a hold of God? Can somebody find a place? Somebody, can you get rid of something?